Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 reads verse 7, 7 through 12, our main verse that we're going to be focusing on. It's the verse that's on the front of your bulletins. I was looking at the bulletins for this week and I, I looked at that verse and I thought, you know, that's a that is a really good verse to preach on for this time of year. Of course, we're getting ready to go into Valentine's Day and uh, boy, you know, Valentine's Day, uh, I know it's one of those things that was invented by the card companies and the chocolate companies and flower companies, so it's another way to spend your money. But you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, you know, remembering to love each other and you know, nothing wrong with Doing stuff romantic, you know, with your husband or wife. I'm all for that kind of stuff. But um, you know, most people these days, especially in Hollywood, Hollywood they like to make a lot of their you know romantic movies and shows about love, and they don't know the first thing when it comes to love. I mean, what you, 99% of what you see on TV that is called love is not real love. Okay, 99%. It's a lot. It's lust. But as far as real love, you don't, you're not going to see that much in Hollywood. Okay, If you're wanting to find out how to have the right kind of love and how to have the right kind of relationship, I wouldn't recommend romantic movies uh, to get for that. I wouldn't recommend uh, most of your talk show people. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend them. Okay, Not real good. The Bible is the best place to go to for that. It's the best place to go to for everything. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, I want to read this passage. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and then notice this last phrase, and His love is perfected in us. This morning I want to talk about perfecting the love of God. Perfecting the love of God. You think, how can, isn't God's love already perfect? How can we perfect it? How can we make it better? Well, the term perfecting there it doesn't mean like perfect as far as like the sinless, sinless perfection that we talk about. But it's talking about completing. Completing the love of God. So how do we complete the love of God? Well, really, what it is, is God, on His end, always does everything right. God is love. God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. We've got all these verses in the Bible about the love of God, but then we see here in 1 John that God's love is perfected or it's completed and us. And so the way that we, I guess simply put, the way that we perfect the love of God is by making sure that we pass it on. God shows us love, and then we're supposed to take that love that He shows us and show it to somebody else. It's not supposed to just stop right there. It's supposed to be passed on. And that's what it means when He says that in us, God's love is, or God's love is perfected in us. So we perfect it or complete it by making sure we pass it on. So, how do we pass it on? Well, there's seven things that we need to have in our life. There's seven things we see these in God. God always does His part in every one of these things. 
And we, if for us to complete the love of God, for us to perfect it, we've got to make sure we have these seven things in our life. And the first one that we see is that we need to have commitment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 through 6. This is one thing that is greatly lacking in what the world calls love today, and that is commitment. I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, these days, uh, you know, marriage is, seems to be completely unnecessary in a lot of relationships. As long as, you know, as long as you love each other, who needs marriage? You know, why do you need marriage? Because you ought to be committed to each other. It's something that we're supposed to commit to each other. When I said, I've heard it said this way before. I didn't come up with this. I wish I did. But when I said I do to my wife, I said I don't to every other woman in the world. We're committed to each other. Same thing when she said I do to me. She said I don't to every other man in the world. We need commitment. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Commitment. God does that on His part. Boy, God is committed to us. God always loves us no matter what we do. God loves us. God loved us while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. We didn't do, none of us have done anything to deserve the love of God. There's a, there's a group of Christians out there, a branch of Christianity, I guess you want to call it that, that believe that they are the chosen ones, that God just picked them and He only chooses the elect. And I tell you, I don't see that in the Bible. I see where God loved the whole world. God doesn't love one person and hate another one or love one group and hate another group. And God, He is He is committed to that love. And we see that what He what He's done for us, what God did to show His love for us. The fact that God continues to love us, the fact that we stay saved. We don't believe you lose your salvation here. We believe Jesus, when you're saved, the Bible says He gives us eternal life. How long is eternal? It doesn't end. So, if He gives us eternal life and we have eternal life and then we lose it, well, did we ever have eternal life? Absolutely not. And that's if God, He's committed. You know, we're, the reason we stay saved is not because we're so good, it's because He's so good. Even though we might mess up, even though we get backslidden and we still sin after we get saved, God keeps loving us because He is committed. And boy, that's important in a marriage. Because, you know what? Not all spouses are perfect. Alright? There might be some. Ex- no, I'm not even going to make any jokes there. <laughs> no, no exception here. And so, you're going you're gonna to have to have some commitment. There's going to be times where you're going to want to wring each other's neck, there's going to be some hard times. But you got you got to stay committed. I know there's got to be times when God wants to wring our necks, but He keeps on loving us. He we stay saved. Commitment. You've got to have that. God shows that commitment to us, and we need to take that and show it to others, and not just in marriage, but in every kind of uh, every kind of relationship as a church. Boy, I, I hope you know we're not friends today and then enemies tomorrow. We see that happen a lot of times in churches. People, boy, they're they're getting along one day, and then the littlest thing will turn them. 
Sometimes maybe a business meeting. I mean, it'll get the church all going. We're planning on doing some remodeling. You know, I've heard of churches splitting over the color of carpet. That's that's not a real strong commitment right there. I mean, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna leave a church because you don't like the color of the carpet, that's not a lot of commitment. Okay, you know, if you want to leave because of doctrine and things like that, or you know, you get called away, move away. Hey, that's you know, that's fine. <laughs> but color carpet, that's not much, that's not a lot of commitment. And but boy, people will. Leave in a heartbeat. And they do the same thing in every area in their life. They do it in their marriages. The littlest thing. Boom. I'm gone. That's why a lot of people don't want to commit. That's why they don't want to get married. Because, ah, you know, I'm not sure if this is the one I want. I know we've been together for 10 years and have three kids, but, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to commit. I remember I knew a guy. I worked with him. His kids came on our bus route. They had two kids. One of them was a teenager. And I remember one day in work, I noticed in the announcements they would put when people get married and stuff. I noticed him and his wife were in there for marriage. I'm like, what? <laughs> they weren't married? And it's like, I, mean, I guess they finally figured out after 12 years, you know, hey, I guess we're meant for each other. It's like it takes people a long time to commit, especially young people these days. They immediately want to go shack up with somebody, but they don't want to commit. They don't want to have, you know, if things get hard financially. Hey, I want to be able to, I want to be able to get rid of you. Go somewhere else. Hey, if you you know you get overweight or something, I want to be able to go. Somewhere. That's what people do these days. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's out of control. Nobody wants nobody wants to commit. And one of the reasons people don't want to commit is because they don't have the next thing that we're going to talk about that is very important in love. One thing that God always does His part on. But if you're going to have to perfect the love of God, you need you have to take responsibility. Luke chapter twenty four. Luke chapter 24, verse 46, "...and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day." That word behooved, that might be a, that's not a word that you use every day. But that word it means basically means it was, it was necessary. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and to die and to rise on the third day. Hebrews 2.17 says, "...wherefore in all things it behooved Him..." to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. It was necessary for the sins of man to be paid for. It was necessary for God to leave heaven and to come and be a man on this earth. It was necessary for Him to be born just like you and I are born. It was necessary for Him to grow up and live a regular life for 30 years. All that was necessary so He could be a merciful high priest. And Jesus Christ did that. He couldn't have been easy. He couldn't have enjoyed that. Going from the throne of heaven to being born in a manger on this earth. But it was what was necessary for Him to save our souls. And He loved us and He was willing to do whatever He had to do to be able to save our souls. He took that responsibility. He took that responsibility on Himself. He took our sins on Himself. And He died on the cross. It was necessary. It was what He had to do. And if you're going to have the right kind of love in your life, if you're going to have the right kind of love in a marriage and in a relationship, you're going to have to be a responsible person. It's not always easy. You're going to have to take some responsibility. When I got married, not long before I before I got married, I moved out of my parents' house. I went and I had my own place. And I had to pay my own bills and things. And my wife, we got married and we lived together. And you know what? When that happened, we, 
when things got tough financially, it didn't take long. Boy, money goes fast after you get married. You know, we didn't we didn't go like, ah, Dad, I don't like paying rent. Can I move back in? Now, listen, if something would have happened, I'd have had to. My dad would have let me. But boy, I sure didn't want to. <laughs> and I really didn't want to live with her parents. <laughs> and, I was, and I'm sure they'd have probably taken us in if we'd have wanted to. But I didn't want to do it. And, I, was, and my, I, I, I had to take that responsibility and do things that I didn't really like doing sometimes. And things that were a lot of fun, but they were necessary. Because I'm here to tell you that I guarantee our marriage would not have worked very long with us living with my parents or us living with her parents. It just wouldn't have worked. That's just, you know, I love my family. I think we have a great relationship, but we're not all meant to live with each other. <laughs> it's just I, I couldn't have done it for very long. I'm thankful I never had to. But taking, taking responsibility, I'm responsible for it. You know, if, I, if I'd have called her mom up a couple weeks after we get married and said, listen, your daughter, she likes to eat every day. And it's expensive. I'm used to only paying for one. I need you to buy her some groceries. She's your daughter. Boy, she'd have laughed at me and said, I don't care. She's your wife. Hey, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to figure out how. And I tell you, people, they don't want to take responsibility for anything. I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad today. And that for us to perfect love, God, we have to take responsibility. As a, as a church, it's our responsibility to show love to the lost world first. It's our job to initiate that love. It's our, it's our job to take that responsibility, to do what we have to, to go out and to spread the gospel and to, and to do what we can to be a light in this world. But also, if you're going to perfect the love of God, another thing you have to have in your life, you need to be forgiving. You need to be forgiving. I promise there's not one person in here that's been married for more than a year that you haven't had to forgive your spouse for one or two things. It's absolutely necessary. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. We're not going to take time to read the whole story, but I love this story. It's the story of the prodigal son. You probably know this story. The son, he went and he told his father, give me the portion of goods. I want my inheritance. I want everything that's coming to me. I want it now. He went and he took it and he wasted all of it with riotous living. He left his father. He went into a far country. He had nothing left. He ended up having to get a job working with the pigs, feeding swine. A job that no Jewish boy would ever want to do, would ever have to do. But the Bible says in verse 17, it says, and he, when he came to himself, talking about the prodigal son, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. See, hey, this, this kid had done wrong. He did his dad wrong, and he knew it. And he's like, I'm going to go and just see if, I, if he'll be forgiving enough to let me be a servant. At least then I'll have something to eat. I'll have a warm place to stay. In verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father, I mean, he's waiting for the son. The Bible says he saw him a great way off. He's watching for him. He didn't sit there and think, ah, I'm going to make him walk up to me. I'm going to make him approach me all the way. I'm going to give him a dirty look the whole time and see what he has to say. My son did me wrong. 
But he didn't. The Bible says he ran to him. He fell on his neck. He kissed him. The son said, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I want you to notice this father was already, he had already forgiven his son. He had already forgiven him. He was waiting for that opportunity to forgive him. But his son had to recognize he'd done wrong first. His son, he was, he was grown up. He had to come back on his own. But he was waiting for him. He didn't make his son grovel for a long time. He didn't make him earn his respect. He was waiting to forgive him. And that's what, that's what God does for us. Brother T.C. just saying about it. He was there all the time. He was waiting for us. When we came to God and asked Him for forgiveness, God didn't make us do all kinds of stuff to earn it. He didn't sit there and hold it over our head and make us feel bad. I mean, when we come to God, He comes running to us. Draw an eye to God and He will draw an eye to you. He's just waiting and anxious to forgive and we've got to be that way. You've got to be anxious to forgive. As a husband and a wife, you're going to have to be anxious to forgive. As a church, we're going to have to be anxious to forgive each other. Stuff's going to happen. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be disputes. And we've got to be ready to forgive. If somebody comes and they're, they're sorry, boy, we, the forgiveness ought to already be there. That's what, and that's what you do when you really love somebody. When you, you see people that are holding a grudge and they're just bitter and angry at somebody, you gotta ask yourself, do you really love that person? This father loved his son and just wanted him back. And wanted to forgive him. Was waiting for that day. And when that day finally came, he was thrilled to death. And that's the way it is when you really, really love somebody. And God really, really loves us, and that's exactly what He does for us. But not only do we need to be forgiving, you know, there's some things we've got we've got to let go. We've got to say, "Hey, it's all right." But we've got to go a step further than that and do like it says in Luke six thirty six: "says Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful." You need to show mercy when we're forgiving. When you forgive somebody, that's when maybe maybe somebody deserves a punch in the nose, but you don't give it to them. You're being forgiving. But mercy, that's when you when maybe they deserve a punch in the nose, but you do good to them instead. The Bible says, bless those that curse you. Do good to them which despitefully use you and persecute you. For my sake, we've got to show mercy. Listen, you've, being loving to people, you've got to have those acts of kindness there. And people aren't always going to deserve it, but you've just got to do it anyway. You've got to show that kindness. You've got to you've got to do things for people. We've got to be that way to the world. We've got to be merciful to them. Your neighbor, they might be the biggest jerk in town, but you know what? If they're if if you're just giving them what they deserve, that's what the rest of the world does. Mercy, that's what's going to stand out. Mercy, that's something that's different. Mercy, that's exactly what God showed us when not only did He save us and make it where we don't have to go to hell, but he also is going to let us go to heaven. It would be enough if we just didn't have to go to hell. But we get to go to heaven. That's mercy right there. It would be enough if we didn't have to go to hell. We got to go to heaven when we died and the rest of our life on this earth stunk. But He blesses our life even here on this earth. That's all mercy. 
All the goodness that God does us, that's mercy. A lot of times we think we're deserving these blessings. And listen, we ought to try to deserve blessings. But I think most of the blessings we do get, it's not because we deserve them. It's because God's merciful to us. And that's what we've got to do to other people. We don't just do good to those who deserve it. We do it to whoever we can. And that's mercy. God showed it to us. It's not supposed to stop here. It's supposed to be passed on. It's supposed to it's supposed to move on to the next person. It's kind of like I've heard the stories where people will go through a drive-through and they'll pay for the person's food behind them, and then I've heard that then that person went and paid for the person behind them, and it just kind of kept going for a while. I'd like to be the one that stopped that. That'd probably be me. <laughs> no, but hey, that that's why we are with the love. Sometimes the love of God shows us we we don't want to be the one to stop it. That's how God's love is perfected or it's completed. God does it to us and then we go and do it to somebody else. Mercy. But also, if we're going to, be, if we're going to do all these things, then the fifth thing, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's another one we don't like. John 15.13 Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Tell you what, every husband ought to be willing to lay down their life for their wife, I'd I'd be willing to lay down my life for my kids. We ought to be that way. We ought to be willing to lay our life. And I have no problem with that because of the love. It wouldn't even be a question if I had to pick. It's it's easy. I love them that much that I'm not going to struggle with that. I'm not going to struggle with that decision. It's an easy one, and we don't see in the Bible where God struggled with whether or not He should come to this earth. He just he just did it. I mean, he he did it. No questions asked because it was what was necessary. So okay, that's what I will do. And he had that kind of love for us. He was willing to sacrifice. We need to be willing to sacrifice in a marriage. There's going to have to be some sacrifices. When my wife got pregnant with Tommy, I remember the doctors and nurses were always saying, you know, don't let having a baby change your life. I remember thinking, man, you have to be a pretty crummy parent. Because kids, they're going to take up some pretty big chunk of your life. They're going to cost you a lot of money. You're going to have to make some sacrifices as a parent. But you know what? It's worth it because you love them that much. I mean, you know, don't don't let getting married change your life. It better change your life. Otherwise, you're not going to have a very good marriage. And people these days, they don't want to sacrifice anything. They don't think they should have to sacrifice anything. But let me tell you something: true love. With true love, there's going to be sacrifice, and you're not going to have a problem with that. You will be willing to do it. Jesus Christ did it for us, and not even just sacrificing your life, but sacrificing your time, maybe sacrificing some of your possessions. You're going to be willing to do without, to maybe give to someone else. That's what sacrifice is. And God gave that to us. We need to do that same thing for others. We need to be sacrificial givers. And then the sixth one. If you're going to do all these things, if you're going to be have commitment, okay, commitment's not always easy. Uh, if you're going to be responsibility, you know, uh, sometimes that's a lot of work. Forgiving, you know, mercy, sacrifice. Some of these things are really hard sometimes. But then, the, if you're going to do all those things, you're going to have to have this next one. And that is patience. If in the right kind of love, you're going to have to have patience. First Thessalonians. 5.14 Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, 
We're gonna have some, there's gonna be people that are gonna come through here that are unruly, like cause trouble. It's just it's gonna happen. All right, just be ready for it. Warn them, they're unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. There's gonna be some that they don't know a whole lot about anything. I mean, they're gonna be panicking about every little thing. They don't have any faith. They don't trust God for anything. They're always in a crisis. Always having a dilemma. Got to comfort those people. Support the weak. Not everybody that comes in here is going to be good, strong Christians, just ready to go. Always, everything's great in their life. Uh, that's probably not any of us, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be weak. We're all going to be weak sometimes. Support the weak. And if we're going to do all those things, we got to do this one. Be patient toward all men. To all of them. You're going to have you're going to have to you know warn the unruly. Uh, comfort the feeble-minded, support them they're weak, and you're going to have to be patient with everybody. With everybody. It's just, the longer you're here, you know, the more you're going to start maybe noticing little things in people that maybe just go against your personality and you don't really like, and you're going to have to have some patience. It's just, it's absolutely necessary. I'll tell you, I mean, my wife, she doesn't, you know, she looks very nice, but it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes I have to be patient. I'm ready to go. It's like I got got to have patience. It's like to spend a lot of time in the bathroom sometimes, you know. There and uh, patience. You know, we all have things, maybe little annoying habits and things that we put up with. You're gonna have to have patience. You're just gonna. There's some things you just have to deal with. You know, kids. You gotta have patience with kids. I mean, sometimes they take a while to learn some lessons. And it's you're ready to sell them to the gypsies, but it's like, nah, you got you got to have patience, and you do, but you do it because you love them, and we've got to do that with each other. Be patient towards all men. There are going to be people that are come through here that are just gonna they're going to drive you crazy. There was a lady at my dad's church that uh, would come every once in a while that was always, you know, being disruptive somehow. She would like make these comments and things. While Dad was preaching, sometimes it didn't make a whole lot of sense. It would kind of freak out visitors and people who didn't know her very much. I mean, she'd do some weird stuff sometimes. She she was always standing up whenever they'd sing Happy Birthday, even if it wasn't her birthday. And sometimes she'd start doing stuff that was really weird. Nobody understood. She wasn't all there. It was just, you know, and it's like, all right, you had to have patience. <laughs> you had to have patience. Sometimes you just had to laugh. You know, there's you're gonna you're gonna see some of that. People that are come through here it might be a little bit embarrassing, but you know we got you got to love those people. Amen. You got to care about. Them. We're going to have kids that are going to come through here that they don't know how to behave in church. They're, they they haven't been taught. It's going to take some time. They're going to be a pain in the neck. I mean, they're going to be bouncing off the walls. I mean, they're going to have they're going to have all those problems. And you know, a lot of times those are the ones that end up doing something great for God too. By the way, but we've got to have you. But a lot of times that happens because they had people in the church that were patient with them. That gave them some time to grow up a little bit. They gave them some time to, to learn some things. People aren't just going to come walking into these doors and automatically know everything that we believe and everything that we stand for and just all of a sudden, boom, they're just like they're super Christian. It's not going to happen. We're going to have people get saved and they're still going to have a lot of problems in their life. That and We're going to be like, you know, what's wrong with these people? When are they going to learn? We're just going to have to have patience. And if you love people, you'll do that. If you love people, you have patience. There's there's parents out there that have taken care 
of kids maybe that have been born with disabilities and things, and they do it, and they do it without complaint because they, they love them. They love those children. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we have a couple people in this church that are, uh, you know, uh, Brother Gomer and Miss Hazel, you know, they're married to people who have Alzheimer's right now. That's not an easy thing. And I, I know Brother Gomer, he goes and he visits his wife every day. You know why? He loves her. You know, Miss Hazel, she takes care of her husband. I admire so much for that. It's love that makes you do that. It's, that can't be easy. It's not easy, but it's, it's patience. That comes with love. And God's the same way with us. And we, it's our responsibility to pass that on. We've got to be patient with people. You, just, you have to do it. it just, it's going to take some people some time. We've got to be ready to show that. You've got to have patience in a marriage. Across the board, you've got to have patience. But then the last thing, and this is... This is something very important. Thank God. He is this. You must be impartial. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. You know, one thing we can count on every person you see out there. I mean, there's people in, this, in our society that drive me crazy. I see some of the freak shows that are out there and I'm just like, you know... Why don't you go move to another town? <laughs> just, I mean, you know, there's there's some scary people out there, and it's real easy to just want to write these people off and forget about them. But let me tell you something: they have a soul. God loves them, and Jesus Christ died for them, and He would save them just like that if they wanted, if they would call on Him. He'd save them just like that. He'd come running to them. Just like the prodigal son, his father did to him. Jesus Christ would do that for them if they would call him. He's impartial. I'm saved today not because I'm something special, not because I'm some elite or elect person. I'm saved because I asked. That's that's pretty much all there is to it. I believed on him. Anybody, every one of you that are saved today, it was the same thing. He, Jesus Christ, will save anybody. He loves. Everybody, and we ought to be the same way. Matthew 22, verse 36. We see the first and greatest commandment. They asked him, What is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. The second greatest commandment. The best thing you can do in the world is to love God. The worst thing you can do in the world is to not love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then the Second best thing in the world you can do is love your neighbor. So then the second is life, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. You've got, you've got to love your neighbor. Who is, who is my neighbor? He gave a parable of that. and that Your neighbor is basically anybody you come in contact with. You ought to love them. Anybody that you have an opportunity to do good to, that is your neighbor. You ought to love them. You don't just... You don't just pick and choose. It's not about one group over another group. It's anybody that you have a chance. You have to be impartial. That's the kind of love that God showed to us. And this was manifested, the love of God. God's love is perfected in us. He shows it to everybody. But not everybody passes it on. The ones who complete it, the ones who perfect it, are the ones who take that love that God shows and they pass it on to somebody else. My question to you is, are you passing that on? Or is it stopping at you? 
Are you passing on? In all of these areas, do you have these things in your life? These things are, are all of them are areas where we have to grow. Okay, it's it's a. Uh, Kind of an ongoing procedure, something we always have to work on. But you've got to get these things in your life, and you've got to put them to use. To, and so, I, I can't do that. Why not? Somebody's done it for you. God did it for you. He showed He showed us how by doing it to us. So we ought to be able to do it. We don't really have any excuses. And too many people today, they're letting. Too many Christians are letting. We're stopping right there. We've got our little groups. That we'll do good too. We've got our little groups that we care about and love, and we wonder why Christianity is not spreading. It's not because the love of God is any weaker today. It's we're not perfecting it. We're not completing it. We're not letting it spread out. And we've got to be the ones to do. We've got to be the ones to do that. We've got to spread that love through the world, and God will help you do that. So let's all stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.